Hi, you're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. On this podcast, we discuss our relationship with food, whether it is easy or less so, and how it affects our behaviour. I suffered with eating disorders for years, and it took everything to pull through. Now that I'm at the other side, I want to open up the conversation, find out how other people manage this basic and most fundamental of relationships. I'm taking a light approach, but I think if this area of our lives is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. Welcome back to this Food Thing podcast season two. I'm here with actor, writer and director Ian Paulson Davis. Ian has had a very long and successful career. You may know him from the American TV series Pennyworth, ITV's Marcella or maybe Owen Wilson from Coronation Street. But today Ian's here to talk about his struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder, which has dominated his life. He co-wrote about his experiences in the BAFTA-nominated film Dirty Filthy Love, and he is also patron of OCD UK. And he's also a very, very dear and old friend of mine. Ian, welcome to this Food Thing podcast. Hello, Gemma. I love the also, the also. There's so many also's. <laughs> How many also's can you get into an introduction? I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I rewrote that. I rewrote it a couple of times, which is really good for my writing, writing oh, prowess, well, it, isn't it? it? <laughs> yeah. There's never enough also's for my ego. Yeah. So also, I'm going to ask you something else now. Yeah. I'm going to say that we've never really, even though we've met. known each other for donkey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who are really you? Met. <laughs> <laughs> even though we've known each other for donkey's years, yeah. I don't think we've ever had an in-depth conversation that I can recall also about mm. OCD and food. And I know that your relationship Gosh. with food isn't a problem in itself, but it is hijacked by your OCD. Certainly. Which means, is food a friend or a foe? I think in my my own little mad, bizarre OCD um, world, I think everything that either I ingest or I touch is a foe. Um, at its worst, I, my, just my mere functioning uh, was a problem. So I would say, I don't know how high up the list food is, but it's definitely there so what's what's difficult about it well um i really um admire people who can for instance cook so even the preparation of food will send me into a little bit of a spin and i suppose if we're talking about food preparation is part of it isn't it it's not just yes, about indigestion it's what you see it's what you smell it's what you touch it's what you prepare and even before i've started gobbling up the food i have issues with the food so for instance the kitchen for me is is kind of like a nuclear reactor that's exploded or imploded whatever they do insofar as it you know it it with food comes goo so with what food do you mean comes do you stick. mean okay so that means that the kitchen is it's unsafe. Is it like yeah. full of bacteria, full of disease? Yeah. Full of, yeah. Is that the issue? Is that what yeah. yeah. the OCD is about? Yeah. It's, I mean, crikey, it's food is, so I've just already bumped it up the list, haven't I? Just, just by the mere mention, your description, that little list that you had then <laughs> yeah. made me feel slightly clammy. So that, <laughs> so it's gone from maybe four to number two on, on the, the hits, the all hits parade of 
fears for an OCD sufferer? Yeah, I would say it's certainly it's it's the the the, the whole it's the whole fear of of contamination of of um of the sell by date you know sell by date for me is is neon when i look at it in a supermarket it's 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 brighter than the sun because <laughs> for me a sell by date uh, you know spells death uh, wow. because it immediately is, i associate a sell by date with uh, with with poisoning and and with poisoning comes you know serious illness and uh, obviously obviously death and of course now i'm sounding like uh, someone who suffers from acute health anxiety and, and you'd be right because i think it goes very much in tandem with my ocd i'm not an expert Gemma, so i can't i can't differentiate uh, uh, professionally between uh, health anxiety and ocd other than the word anxiety so under that umbrella of anxiety i have facets of health uh, concerns as well as uh, ocd concerns you see, well, I think it's all about anxiety. I think eating yeah. disorders are right. about anxiety. And sure. I also think, relating to myself, I know that as a stage of personal development, emotional development, when you're a kid, you go th- we all go through stages of OCD. When, I don't know, it's yeah, like pre, pre-12 or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I was very OCD. I mean, I yeah. used to, I'm still a little bit OCD, not nearly like like you, but... I did all the numbers and the clapping, clapping my yeah. hands and uh, touching, having to touch one wall than another wall. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that I converted my insecurities and my anxieties into my eating disorders. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not a difficult step to make, is it? No, I think it's, I'm trying to think of, um, it's, it's like a crossroads, but the crossroads has, suggests four exits. So I'm trying to think of uh, that that place you are where there are many, many exits. And I think when you are that seven-year-old anxious, anxious child, you have a choice. And it's not your choice. It's your head's choice to determine which road you're going to go down. And I think, you know, that's in, you know, I think it's out of our control. I really do. And I don't even know how random it is. But I do know, you know, that the center, I always think of five, you know, the five dials in Covent Garden. That's always a good yeah, place to be. Yeah, and when yeah. you're standing there, you, you've got one one little lane or road or street, which will take you down the OCD path. Another one that might be the eating disorder. The other one that might be fear of this, fear of that. So I don't think, you know, we have that much control. I think circumstantially and environmentally we do, and maybe it's our parents that will take us down that particular side street. I don't know. That's for the experts to tell me. But I certainly think you're absolutely right. It starts with a capital A uh, and and then will lead to whatever you will be when you're an adult. So were you an anxious seven-year-old? Yes. Um, um, Was was home anxious? Were your parents anxious? Were your parents anxious? Also anxious. I don't know. Um, so go on, go on, go on. Uh, and what? You know, what messages did you get about food? That's a little bit later, but yeah, why were you so anxious? Do you know it's great, isn't it? I think, I think we all become kind of uh, detectives, uh, amateur detectives. What's amateur sleuths when we're yeah. of an age where we suddenly try and pick up that bit of string that's unraveled is your life and Mm. try and find answers as to why you are who you are and why you are. And I think one of those is our, 
be it our, our physical health or mental health. And as as we get older, I do believe we start investigating what happened when we were young, you yeah. know. And and I have been picking up this unraveled long piece of string to see why. Why was I that uh, a, a mentally unhealthy child as opposed to someone who was three desks away? Uh, and I, I think that I've been wrong by singling out me in that classroom. I, I really, and you touched on it a minute ago, I think pretty much every child, maybe more in 2021, you know, post this zombie apocalypse, there'll be more. But I think statistically, I think more children at seven plus were anxious than, than were not. So okay. I think it's not so exclusive. I think it's very inclusive. So when I start thinking, was it my mum? Was it my dad? Was it the house? I don't know whether it was any of them or was it a little bit of everything. I just think that I was given this thing called anxiety. And I think for whatever reason, it shows me to go down the route of OCD. That sounds a very kind of mystical approach to it. And I don't me mean to make it mystical, but I think it's a lot le less mystical than that, actually. I think it's it's pretty clear that, that, um, that, you know, with childhood comes anxiety, doesn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. But also I think childhood, for, well, for me, felt very mystical. And But I remember, I remember being very fearful about how I would... Um, how I would be able to function in the world. And I remember that from a very early age. Okay. And that gap between being a child, this is turning into my interview. No, it's great. It has to be. It has to be to and fro. Otherwise, uh, otherwise I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he like says, slam says, the, says the seven-year-old. <laughs> but I remember being very fearful of this thing that was called the world. Okay. I remember the, when I first heard that word. Okay. And I absolutely couldn't work out how I was going to function without my mum or and my family and just it just all seems so big and scary um, then, then then Gemma can I just interject very quickly yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't it then that we're not we're not more anxious than other children it's our coping yeah. it's the culpability yeah. so everyone is given that, you know, instead of star of the day at school, you're given the anxious pill for the day. You have <laughs> anxiety. That is it. That is on the menu of your personality, character, whatever you want to call it. But it's your coping because, yes. you know, everyone had that world. Everyone yeah. had that mum or that father or that negligence. We all had it. It's how we cope with it. So I think it's it levels is. of culpability rather than a severity of anxiety. Yes, possibly. Levels of resilience and your ability to um, yes. Yes, absolutely cope with what's going on. So when you were a kid, okay, so I've got now painting a broad picture. You're an anxious kid. Yes, very much. Uh, did that stay at a, a, a steady level as you became an adolescent and a young man, or did it increase? And it, how did it express mm. itself? Okay. Um I, I'm going to, I'm going to, the reason I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this podcast, not only that we can 
talk as grown-ups for once because <laughs> we've been hysterical and giddy for the, for all the time we've known each other and it's really nice yeah. to actually be a bit grounded <laughs> for once but I, I think i love this this um this conversation that, that lends itself very much with the relationship with the food purely yeah. because i've never examined that before and when you uh, invited me on this show some time ago i thought i started thinking about that relationship between me and my condition um, okay. and food and and we've We've, you know, we've skimmed over the, the the contamination, the germination, and and stick because for food, I see stick. Right. Everything sticky. Food is is so damn sticky. If it wasn't Even so when it's sticky, on, on the plate in front of you, and you've been yeah, because there's it. spillage. You know, there's spillage oh. and splashing, and 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 congealing. You know, it, it's it, it to me. I and I know I'm slightly digressing from what you asked me. No, no, ago, go for it. But I, I. I if there, if each room in your house was associated with sounds, more than the bathroom, I would say the <laughs> kitchen would be the noisiest for me. And if each each uh, bit of the food in the kitchen had a sound, it would be it would be intense. It would be very noisy, very very loud. The goo would have a loud. The stick would have a loud. The pouring, the spilling, the bubbling. Uh, so, if, as, you know, I, I'm, I'm finishing a point, I suppose, Gemma, craftily. I, I would say that that's what put me off food in the first place was just seeing my mum be able to splash about with all this gravy and potato and bleh, uh before it was put on the plate. So by the time it got on the plate, it was very difficult for me to turn the volume down. Uh, and so for me... Uh, it's funny. Someone said something which is quite interesting the, the other week. She's had she's suffering from post COVID, and uh, and and obviously, like so many post COVID patients, sufferers, uh, she's struggling with taste. She has no, she's had no taste now for nearly a year. And I say, well, you know, why are you bothering to eat apart from sustenance? Yeah. And she said, well, I'm enjoying the um, uh, the feel. What's what's not the feel? What's the problem? Yeah, word? no, the mouth texture, the, the, feel, the texture. Right. Yeah, and. And, and that that hit a chord with me, and 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 I suppose in a way that that suddenly had the seven year old boy's ears pricked up, and I thought, <laughs> my goodness, yes, that 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 was an that was an issue with me was the texture of the food. So uh-huh. even before the flavour touched my buds and my palates, I was aware of the texture of the food. So there was a tiny, not huge, not in any way on 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 the graph of people that have food disorders, but it was my own little private disorder, which was texture. Um, and I had a problem with certain, if you like, sticky foods. And that was before, so that that did prohibit me from having huge enjoyment. And even now, I can't eat a corn on the cob, which I think looks delicious, or anything that I know is going to cause me anxiety. There you go. It's fascinating. Two things. One, if your mum had had packets of, I don't know, powdered food and she'd poured them very neatly into a glass. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I get you. She'd added some nice chilled sterile water 
and mixed it up carefully. Yes. So I think it's also about, you mentioned your mum and how she yes. is, and I've got this image of her with pots and pans and yes. throwing things under the table. Yes. And she'd mixed it up very neatly and put it in front of you and it all been very sterile and easy. Do you think that would have made a difference? Yes. Wow. Which is why when I was little, mm. I wanted, like so many of my classmates, I wanted to be an astronaut. Of course. And it's your perfect it, eating. It was perfect. And it wasn't to see the moon. I, I didn't even <laughs> care if we just went around, circumnavigated, you know, our immediate sky above us. Yeah. I just wanted that powdered f- food. Oh, my goodness. Those... That, that, those freeze-dried snacks were nirvana for me. Do you think Um, it also had something to do with seeing your mum in a funny kind of a way, a little bit out of control? Yeah, that's good. I like that. And and I think anyone was. I have a lovely aunt, Auntie Margaret, and she was a a typical, because I, as you know, I come from a farming background and, and kitchens, I don't know. I don't want to make them any uh, any more different than other kitchens in other professions. But there's something about a farm kitchen which has a, a recklessness about it, <laughs> a wildness about it, an abandonment about it. Because you get the farm workers and the members of the family coming in and grabbing this and grabbing that, and it's a wonderful delight of 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 kind of uh, yeah madness, if you like, because. And, and and as was my Auntie Margaret's kitchen, more so than ours, it was bedlam in there because there were four brothers all hungry all the time because they were milking the cows and out with the hay, so they had enormous appetites. <laughs> and I, this squeaky, clean, anxious little boy who tiptoed from his parents' car across the cow manure-strewn <laughs> Uh, yard to the kitchen to the back door into the if to the back door into the kitchen only not to be rescued by the you know the safety of the house but to be then having to cope with with the noises and and the the added stickiness of the kitchen so i went from cow manure to to butter spread on sandwiches you know and it was just a nightmare oh. because food was just thrown about and it, of course it was, because it was lovely, lots of freshly made pies and this and that. And I'd be sitting, twitching and shaking in the corner, uh, wishing I was an astronaut, <laughs> uh, floating above in space. Floating above so, in so those yeah. Kitch- yeah, yeah, so those kitchens were, were bedlam, were my kind of bedlam, particularly dear Auntie Margaret's kitchen, which was had the most delicious food, but I never, ever could relax and enjoy that food for the reasons I've said. I have been in those kitchens because um, I was, as you know, brought up in Devon and my friends mm. were farmers and at school, this right. is shameless, but I always, whenever anyone new <laughs> arrived at school, I would say, hello, my name's Gemma. Do you have a horse? Because I didn't have a horse and I was desperate for a horse and I wanted to ride. And if they said yes, I'd like, let's hang out, let's be friends. So my friend Rachel, my best friend, she had a horse and her um, farm kitchen was similar. And the men always came in. They had big fat hands, farmer's hands. They, their fingernails were encrusted with dirt. I'm sorry if I'm I was going to say cow manure encrusted fingers. They smelt completely different from my suburban home. Yeah, they smelt and of cow. They smelt. Sorry, farmer. As, <laughs> as a as a as a farmer's son, I'm allowed to say that I yes. was that smelly yeah. boy. Okay, we have we can't swear too much because I have to get it bleeped out and I have to do time codes and everything. Mm-mm. Um. 
and it was quite extraordinary and it, it was an overload of right. it was a sensory overload yes. and i remember it yeah. and i remember finding it quite overwhelming and do you know what my friend rachel's dad did and yeah. the milkman they used to spread clotted cream on their bread wow that for me was God, extraordinary you can't get more devon than that can no, you? you can't okay we're going to take a quick break we'll be back in a minute You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Ian Paulson Davis. Uh, we're just comparing stories about farmers' teas. And Ian <laughs> just said, you've got to save that. You've got to save that. It's just, yeah. I, I, I was just, you stole from me. I did. My favourite two words, sensory overload. Yeah. That, well, that's... I love that. You're absolutely right. So I was saying to Ian that at, at uh, my friend's... Um, tea table there would be loads of butterfly cakes with buttercream and uh my friend's mum was a terrific baker so there would just be cakes and, and bread and sandwiches whereas in my house my mum had plain digestive biscuits because she was trying to save money and she'd melt really bad quality cooking chocolate and then she'd spread it with a palette knife so it wouldn't meet the edges and it wouldn't be smooth and then she'd put the plain <laughs> she'd put the plain digestive biscuits with the horrible cooking chocolate on the plate Thinking uh, that I wouldn't notice, that we wouldn't notice. <laughs> but that's hilarious. I love that. Do you know, I see all these images we're creating now. Yeah. I see them as cartoon strips. Yeah. They're so caricature in their description. They are. But, you know, but often urban kitchen. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'd have friends who, like you, I'd, I'd sometimes go and have sit in their kitchen, their parents' kitchens yeah. for lunch during yeah. their lunch break if yeah. they were near to the school. And they were so neat and tidy and clean and not clean because that's not fair because, you know, let's, let's not kid ourselves. These kitchens we're describing were as clean as any kitchens, yeah. but without the, the mania. Yes. <laughs> but these urban kitchens, there was something neat and just tidy about them. So did and that make I, it easier for you to eat? Yes. Yes. So did your anxiety then lessen? Yes. Environment was everything when I ate and still is, so, which is why mm -hmm. I think the relationship for me between food and OCD is very close, but it's not once it's been ingested. My issue is the preparation and before it goes down the hole. So now I've, we haven't eaten that much in a restaurant together but we yeah. have a little bit and I know what goes on. How yeah. do you actually, well, A, I'm surprised you can get the food in your mouth. I think that's seriously a testament to you if you have so much going on oh. before that mouthful yeah. goes in. Yeah. But how do you, do you ever eat a takeaway? You must. And how do you eat in a restaurant? Because you can't go into, the, do you want to go into the kitchen and inspect every pot and pan and check the chef's fingernails? No, no. Because I'd be thrown out. No, yeah. I, I, I don't. I'd be, I wish I could say yes, because that would, that would flower the story even more. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I've learned to curb my obsession and my fascination, uh, not fascination, because that suggests enjoyment. Uh, uh, yeah, my need to go and examine the fingernails of my waiter and the chef. So I've managed to curb that, although I am the most, the, the politest uh, customer in any restaurant uh, and on any aeroplane in the world because of all the horror stories you hear of what pe people do 
to dishes served to you if you're rude. So I've never complained about a meal in my life. I've been with uh, you and you are ridiculously oh, polite. I almost yes. think you're going to kind of genuflect yes. onto the floor and <laughs> let me carry the food for you, that kind of thing. It's only because I do not want them to spit in my food as soon as their <laughs> back is turned. So, you know, I, I, it is true. And aeroplanes, I, I used to hang out with a few um, uh, flight, what are they called now? Flight, flight attendants? Flight, flight attendants. Yeah. And there are some horrifying stories about yeah. what they get up to. Not all of them, obviously, the occasional one, mad one, uh, when you have a, 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 an unsettled passenger yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or a, a disruptive passenger or a, or a rude passenger, you know, what goes on behind that little curtain. So, you know, that's in the air, but in the ground, yeah, I am incredibly fastidiously polite to kitchen workers and uh, and and waiters alike, but yeah, I do, but I don't go so far as as it letting that ruin my meal, but but there is a whole ritual, and you may have I've, I'm sure I've discussed this with you, Gemma, when we've eaten out. I've seen my little there. what do you my do? little ritual. Tell me of of going. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, another thing that I envy, not just about people who can make food, because I long for that. You, you. know, I buy I buy cookery books. Oh, I actually have okay. a small collection of cookery books. I love the idea of cooking. And uh, there was some time ago, Sue and I discussed what I would, what I would want for Christmas or, or, or a birthday. And I, and I actually surprised by saying I'd love some cookery lessons. So it is, it is a, you know, an ambition. It's a dream of mine to be able to cook in the kitchen. But, of course, I can't until we, we get over what I'm talking about. But getting back to my ritual, my, my, I have a whole ritual from, from the moment I arrive at a table about to be seated. And I've, I have discussed this on a number of occasions at various, you know, talks that I've done about my OCD. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there is a YouTube somewhere of me describing that this very Oh, is there? Is there? Yeah, okay. you can okay. get it somewhere, on, maybe on the OCD <laughs> UK site, because I'm a, I did a documentary some years ago about OCD and, and the lack of funding in Wales, right, um, right. Because I'm, obviously because I'm Welsh, yeah. not because I we, we were picking on Wales, but because <laughs> I am a Welshman. Um, and uh, they obviously, before I was able to front the uh, concerning documentary, people had to, the viewers had to know a little bit about my background. So we happened, I was with the director, this relates to my ritual, yeah. and we were in, the, um, in, in a hotel, and the, it was the night before the shooting, and the shoot, rather the shoot, and uh, and I, he said, "What about you know uh, uh, public places?" And I said, "Well, this is the perfect public place. Here we are in a restaurant, and this is where the, the battle starts for me." He said, "What do you mean?" I, and I started telling him about this ritual. He said, "Well, would you mind if I filmed it while you were?" Describing it, I said, "Fine." So he filmed it, and it actually—I think—I don't think it made the cut, but it did make um, you know the the. Um, the also's it also it, it 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 was put in the package that you the extras the extras so there is an extra out there of me describing this ritual which is when i go up to a table and the waiter is invariably standing there waiting for you to sit there is the problem because it's almost like a morecambe and wise sketch because He's waiting for me. He or she is waiting for me to sit down, but I can't sit down until they've gone. So there's this ah. really awkward, embarrassing standoff between me and said waiter. I've never and seen it's that. Kind of, yeah, and it's kind of who blinks first. Wow. And I have mortified my family 
by having this standout with the waiter. Uh, and what invariably, do you, do? do you say, "Can you well, leave, please?" And we'll and we'll. No, we'll in the end, what I do, Gemma, because invariably, the posher the restaurant, the longer the blinking waiter stands there. <laughs> I've learned that the five-star restaurants, they will never go away. Well, they put a napkin because, on you. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's why matter. I love going to <laughs> one-star restaurants because they <laughs> throw the menu at you and walk <laughs> off. It's a delight when they do that. But when you're in a posh restaurant, yeah. they'll stand there for forever. And I can't sit down until they've left me because I have this abject fear of sitting down too quickly and uh, breaking my coccyx. Now that's okay. Let's stop right there because it's yeah. it's all very funny and comical, but it's not because that so inhibits you. Yeah. You think you're going to sit down and your yeah. coccyx is going to crack? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I've discussed it many, many times. Uh, uh, you know, on interview with in, in, in interviews like this, uh, and it is one of the the more severe OCDs I have. But yeah, it, it's an absolute certainty that if I don't give a hundred percent concentration when I'm sitting down, right. it's like a moon landing. Appropriately, right. uh, it is like I mean, you know, I forget the Mars landing. Yeah. Me sitting down on a chair in a posh restaurant is is just agonizingly difficult because of this said ritual. Uh, you, so I have to go through, sorry, Jim. No, I'm sorry. I've interrupted you. I just want to ask in case I no, forget, do you, do you know what the thought is after? So you sit down, your coccyx cracks. Do you get further along in the story? Oh God. Yeah. Even before I've sat down, I have to sit down very, very, I mean, th literally think of the Mars landing. If, if that, if, if, a nanosecond of a problem occurred, it would have destroyed, not just wasted billions of dollars of taxpayers' money, whatever they have in, in mm. America, but it would it would have destroyed the whole mission. Yeah. Well, for me, if I sit down too quickly, it destroys the meal. So you're frightened because, that you're going to die. No, I'm frightened that I'm going to crack my coccyx. But do you get to do you get to after you've cracked your coccyx? That's my point. No, I think. It, I think that's enough, really. If I've cracked my coccyx, then, of course, I'd have to leave, wobble out or be carried out yeah. and go to A&E. So there's, there's, it's, it doesn't finish with a death because oh. I don't think you can die from a, a, a broken coccyx, but, but it does end up in A&E, my, my imagination. No, but I wonder but if you're always trying to put off death because do, do you see what I'm so, saying? So what, what, well, I'm just wondering if you're always... If underneath everything, I'm not trying to analyze oh, okay. you, no, no, but it's always good. about the the you know our terror about yes, about dying and death. not being here because yeah okay so you break your coccyx and then what yeah, but you're and right you you're right. A &E, a and then what uh, then uh, then then is the recovery period right okay uh, but so that's the, that's the worst scenario the worst scenario is if I sit down too quickly blah 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 now then if the waiter is standing there looking at me, of course, I'm being distracted by the waiter, which is why I want them to, to go away. Now, my my, par my parents and my and now my – not my parents because I can't make that mistake right. Not my parents because I never did it with my parents. But uh, – well, I did it, but I wasn't aware of it then. But with my partner now and my kids, they obviously are hugely embarrassed, but I disguise it so well that most – 
other diners and staff are not aware of what I'm doing, which is the Mars landing. Wow. What I'm doing is, and I wish I could show you now, Gemma, because I'm <laughs> I'm I'm doing it now. What I what I do is I I have to do it in stages because I have to negotiate the distance between my bottom and the seat. Okay, and I can only do that with invisible inches, and the way I measure those invisible inches yeah. is by doing it in stages. And those stages measure about three inches. So we're doing it in, th for instance, about three inch stages. But of course, and I want all you listeners to try out there to try this now. If you uh, go to sit down and after three inches stop, it looks pretty odd. It looks really weird. Yeah. So how do you disguise that? Well, what I do is I go and do my first three or four inches. Obviously, I'm not going to be precise because it's your bottom. Yeah. Um, so I'll go about three or four inches and then I'll stop and I'll pretend that I have re remembered something. So ah. usually the scenario is, oh, hang on a minute. I forgot my keys. Ah. So I'm in midair, mm. you know, crouching bottom. <laughs> crouching, what's the film? I'm going to make a film, Crouching, Crouching tiger, Bottom. Hidden Bottom. Crouching Bottom, Holding Keys. <laughs> so I hold my keys in my pocket. Yeah. So if a diner should accidentally be glancing over, he'll see a, a, a man go to sit down and realise, oh, he's checking whether he's got something in his pocket. Wow. So there is my first, you know, smoke screen, my, my camouflage. The, the man is checking his keys uh, before he sits down. So then there's the next three or four inches. And the next three or four inches, what I normally do is decide with the family that maybe this table isn't the right table to sit on. Okay. So I go to six inches, give or take, and I go, oh, hang on a minute. Are we, are we, or, and then <laughs> you've got Such a grown up and two children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got a grown up and two children now, huffing and puffing and sighing and looking upwards. Starving. Because they know, and starving. Because they know that this is daddy, yeah. you know, camouflaging. So they dutifully nod, yes, this is a nice table, we'll sit here. So that covers the next six inches or the next four inches. So we're now seven inches down. Yeah. We're about another seven inches away from the seat. So now we've decided that daddy's got his keys. This is the right table to sit on. Then we go down to maybe we negotiate the next three or four inches. And, of course, I've got to come up with something else. Otherwise, why is that man half standing and half sitting yep. with his stuck up in the air? Yeah. And then, of course, it's the menu. So I go, oh, God, can I? And I reach over for the menu. Right. But I'm not reaching over for the menu. I'm stopping in midair for the next third stage of my journey down. Wow. And that is how my brain is telling my OCD that Ian is as being as, as careful as he can be in sitting down because he's doing it in measurements of three or four inches. So by the time we get down to maybe the foot away, which is the last three or four inches, I am my buttocks are so – I have got more muscle on my buttocks and my thighs <laughs> than your next guest could ever have <laughs> or previous. All that wonderful UFC fighter at the beginning. Wow. I'd love to compare buttocks with him, I'd tell you. Would you? I bet I'd, you would. I'd leave him standing or sitting. Listen, I'll tell but, him. I'll tell him. <laughs> so I've got to the bottom and appropriately. And if, and then I'm hovering. 
then I'm hovering. But by then, I've, I've run out of excuses. We've done the keys, we've done the table, and we've done the menu. I've got no more excuses left, and neither have I got any more patience from my family. They're done with me. So the last inch or so, which is the most crucial point, is done on pure muscle strength. So people around everyone in the restaurant now is satisfied that that man who keeps interrupting his sitting down, he's actually sat so we can all get on with our meals and order. And then what's the feeling? But I'm not. When, you, when you've I'm landed, not sat, you haven't sat, not, have you? You're hovering. I'm, not, I'm hovering. The fabric may be touching the other fabric, but I'm still hovering. How long does that last for? Another four or five seconds. And then- so I am hovering. I am in absolute agony, but my muscles, God bless them, <laughs> are holding me up from just the final push. And the final push is when fabric bottom makes contact with a uh, chair. And then I know mm. that I've sat down successfully enough not to break my coccyx. And then are you overwhelmed with relief? Yeah. And can you then settle and connect instantly with what, what else is going on? Well, it, it, it's, it, it means that I can order the menu and say, right, kids, let's eat. Okay. And for those precious few moments of landing, I, I'm in, you know, I'm in, I'm hugely happy and it's the best part of the meal. You must feel like, um, a, and I'm not being facetious, but you must no. feel like a winner every time. Oh, yeah. And that payoff is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, and but it doesn't always work because it, 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 invariably that rest waiter in that posh restaurant will come with with, with the menus or yeah. with the wine list when I'm in that last moment of of descent, and <laughs> I have to go back up again and look for my <laughs> keys. <laughs> and that's the honest to gospel truth. You ask Maggie and Charlie how many that times is Daddy. Had to start all over again because of the posh waiter. Oh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Ian Poulson Davis, who's just been talking about how he lowers himself into a chair. <laughs> So, so you need to listen to the, the the other bit if you've just joined us before we, we continue. Uh, now, this is a serious question. Mm. I'm surprised that you eat at all. You could have just elected not to, to save yourself a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, we love going to restaurants and I would never, I would never not go with my family. But it, I, I, joking apart, you're right, Gemma, joking apart, um, it... it, it, it uh, I find them exhausting. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're uh, uh, really exhausting. Yeah. And, and the food's never, I, I can't remember, truly, I can't remember uh, the last hot meal I ate at. Yeah. Ate? Either. In a restaurant, because invariably it's it's gone, it's cooled down enormously. So while they're tucking into their hot pies or whatever, I'm I'm still fiddling around doing my my rituals I'm, I'm not even i'm going to spare you the rest of the evening of rituals but it doesn't end there that's just i have a moment of of beauty pure peaceful beauty before I, the next one comes along so no you're right Gemma. it's terribly 
upsetting and depressing that I can't really very rarely and I mean we very rarely meet we don't go out for dinner do we you know because no. it's just too damn stressful and well, it's just we did hateful. we did manage we did manage a lunch about a year and a half ago do you remember yeah but yeah I do and it, I thought it, you clearly. did I thought you did really well and you know it was very funny because you had a, a plant behind you yes that actually I was knocking into you so yes. you kept moving and then this very sweet yes. older couple sat next to us <laughs> yes. and you started side-eyeing them yes as though you know as though they were up to, up they, to no good and which they slightly picked up on and i know that you yes. were just checking it out and everything and i was yes. the other side and i was as laughing not at you but it was yeah. it was highly comic yeah. um but i thought you did really well because we did yeah, manage to eat we did eat but there was a there was a, a chunk of yeah of 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 happiness uh, and all the pleasantries that go when you're chomping away with a mate. I mean, all that loveliness of having a meal with your friend. It's it's tribal. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's great. It's from how many millennia old, you know, sitting around a campfire or whatever, yeah. eating with your family. And I, 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 I you know, those two, that elderly couple, I, I, I probably ruined the meal for them as well as me, you know. Uh, that plant I could have destroyed with one... <laughs> karate kick i hated the plant i have to say it was a bit uh, i hated the people yeah it was just don't put a plant that's going to be touching it back of your head throughout the meal yeah I, I you know i hate to say this but i hated the people next to me god bless them right i wish they didn't have to because i remember there were other tables free they had to be seated next to us obviously in case there was a sudden rush for that particular restaurant sure. which there wasn't yeah so i mean i'm always uh, side-eyeing people next to me and seeing what they're ordering, what they're eating, because I become obsessed with every, everything in my orbit, in my immediate orbit, because food is so important, which may be a nice dovetail into why we're here now. You know, food is essential, even for people like me who yeah. find it so arduous. I, I do recognize and appreciate the importance of food, not just staying alive, but the, the pleasure that we get, the endorphins, the whatever else is swimming around our heads from the taste of food. And I know this is a, possibly an issue that I hand back to you. I understand the importance of food, which is why most of my meals are ruined because of that importance. And because with importance, as you know, Gemma, comes anxiety. It's important that we enjoy this food. We need that pleasure. Is that an issue with you, oh, how important is food from a from that aspect? Oh well, oh well. I think did I tell someone this on another podcast? I um, I'm much better, as you know. But in the morning, I will do a little scan about what I'm going to eat that day, and it doesn't take very long, but I do it every morning, and the whole day is planned. And around, I'm sorry, around food. Well, as or in, the what, meal. am I hungry? Am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Okay. What am I going to eat for lunch? If I have lunch, what am I going to eat in the evening? You know, I kind of know what's going on. Once those decisions have been made, they're very small, but once mm. they've been made, um, I can settle. Um, I, yeah, no, food's still an issue like that. I went on a, um, I went on a silent retreat about a year and a half ago and we were silent for a whole week and food wow. obviously becomes extremely important. Yeah. 
Because along with silent meditation comes up a lot of boredom, you know, until you get yeah. used to it. And so we were staying in this beautiful old country house and um, the food was terrific. And I can't tell you the feeling of anxiety in that food queue, particularly coming wow. from me, because I knew that everyone was desperate to get in there and eat. Um, and I found it unbearable. So what I would do is I would, and I, also there were, there were tables of eight, so we'd all sit round, and then everyone would help themselves to, you know, like a central dish. Excuse me, a cat is doing a poo in our garden. <laughs> a whole street of gardens. Yes. And every day this white cat comes and poos on our plot. I think you should take it as a compliment. Sorry, Gemma, but it, it, sorry for you. Listeners. Do you want me to stop so you can go out? No, I've, it's gone now. Has it gone? It's just driving us mad. Okay, okay. Sorry, Gemma, I'm sorry. No, I was, in, I was as you said, the cat's doing a poo in the garden. I was talking about helping myself from a, a central dish on the table. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, and that's the end of the podcast. Um, so, so you're I, in that queue. So I'm in the and queue, but I'm sitting at the table and we all have to help ourselves. And um, I find that impossible. So I would take myself off while everyone went into the dining wow. room and they would all eat. And then I would come back about 20, 25 minutes later and oh, I would gosh. be happy with the leftovers. Oh, so wow. that's a, just a little uh, view on how I am with food and around pleasure with food. I'm not like, let's join the bun fight and we're all sharing it. Yeah. I cannot bear it. Yeah, well, isn't that funny? There is a, a theme going on here, an yeah. obvious theme. It's... It's the importance. It's it's how important these things are to us, and and our reaction to it. And yours is to go off and come back twenty minutes later when you're calmer and there's not so much more feeling of a a bun fight yeah. climate. Yeah. Would you say? And I, I know it's on my terms, and I don't want people watching me. So what exactly? What are you dreading? What are you anxious about in that queue? You know, explain that a bit more about the bun fight theme. Um, I feel anxious. I feel anxious about how much other people are taking, mm. like they've taken too much and not yeah, left enough for everybody else. Okay. And that um, maybe I want to have more than I think is all right for me to have when I'm in public. Right. Um, yeah. That people are just, it feels competitive. And I don't okay. want to join that competition. And judging, ju judgment of, of your portions? Would, yeah. would that be? Oh, it's all very judgy. It's all very judgy, yeah. yes. And I'd just rather do it un under my own steam. And yeah. also there's something about if you had a trifle in front of you or something that looks beautiful, I'd rather have it when it's been half eaten oh, gosh, than yeah. have it from the beginning and be the first one to put the spoon in. Yeah. I'd rather have the leftovers. And do you know why? Because I, part of me kind of kids myself that if I have the leftovers, I haven't had very much. Oh, I see. I think. It's not, it's not whole. There's yeah, something missing and pieces. from it. It's like eating tapas. It's like, oh, it's, all, it, I can't, in a sense, I can't, um, I can't measure it. Now that's interesting. And, and would you say eating tapas is easier for you because yeah. of the size of the portions. Yeah, I'm very picky like that. I love that. I think that's a very healthy way to eat as well. Uh, but that's just a bit of a defence. But yes, it's much easier for me. So I always have a little bit on my plate and I go back for more. And you know, Lionel, my husband, he's always like, why can't you just put a bit more on your plate? And I'm always going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, little spoonfuls, little bits and pieces here and there. 
That's how I tend to eat, yeah. Do you think, I mean, this sounds really probably un, uh, a, a bit uh, lame uh, and naive, but do you think if we took away the importance of food, it would help us? Well, I don't and know. How, and if so, how do you do that? I don't know if that's possible. Because we live in a society, don't we, you and I, where food is plentiful, we can have whatever we want, um, and it's not so important. We're not fighting for our survival. We're not having to queue for nine hours for water and then carry it for 10 miles. We're not having to eat the same carbohydrate over and over, like lots of other nations. Yeah. So... It's not so important. It becomes much more complicated. It's not just about survival, is it? No. No, that's not what I meant, but I think Go what you've then. raised is... Uh, no, no, because uh, I'm not clear what I'm raising. Okay. I think you're absolutely right there. Of course, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. I, I, what I meant was I put the, the onus on, on, on the meal because it's so ritualistic. Oh, I you see. know, Sitting around a table, uh, you know, it, everything is, is heightened. It's a ritual. You're paying, you know, you're paying money. You're being served the food. It's important that you enjoy it because you are partaking in this thing, this important ritual. And I just wonder whether we took the edge off that, the importance of it. Maybe I'm being a bit selfish and talking about myself. No, because I with my condition that if I took the edge off the importance of the meal that I'm about to order. I wouldn't have so many OCDs. Do you have it at home when you eat with your family at home? Not as much. But you still have because it. Because I know time is on my side and I don't have to, you know, look for my keys or whatever else. I don't have to spend 20 minutes hovering above a chair. Uh, I know that, sorry, I saw, uh, <laughs> hovering above a chair. You know, so, so time is on my side. Do you have it if you but- eat on your own? Oh, it's a joy. I mean, I do, ah. I do chew at home to eat on my own. Ah. And ironically, I, 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 um, my rituals are a lot less because I don't need to have, there's no pressure of people looking at me. So I don't spend so much time hovering. How do you eat it's, when it's you're on wonderful. a film set? Um, and you're curious. What do you mean? Well, when you're as a, a character? No, no, as a character. In character. No, no, no. How do you eat if you're on a film set and everyone's queuing? I don't. I ah. eat in my trailer. Ah, you eat in your trailer. I, I don't. I never eat in, in the canteens ah, at work. Okay. I always hide in my wonderful enclosed space where I eat on my own. I can't, yeah. So, yes, if, if given the choice, you see, I'd love to go to restaurants with my family and, and eat in, you know, in, in a private room or. Okay, yes. You know, yes, well, you somewhere must do on that. my own and join them later because okay. I'd enjoy the food much more, but it would defeat the object. <laughs> but I'm not about, I remember going to Japan. Yeah. And um, I realized that uh, um, this is not a, a general <laughs> assumption, but I noticed that the, the noodle bars in Japan were very much the equivalent to a, a gas station, a petrol station in this country, because for them, I noticed. In, in the smaller establishments, the, the equivalents of cafes, I suppose, yeah. it really was a fuel stop. And I remember feeling really comfortable in eating my fuel because there was no onus on ritual or, uh, uh, you know, expense because it was very cheap uh, or conversation or anything like that. No waiters, certainly. It was you ordered your meal at a machine, you're given a ticket. 
and your number is called out very much like like Argos. It's like Argos food Argos. And you sit on some benches behind and there's like an Ed's diner kind of setup, you know, where there's a burger yeah. bar kind of thing yeah, yeah. set up. And there are stools around the tables and the, the chefs cook in the middle, like like Ed's diner, for yeah, those of you who yeah. know Ed's diner. Um, and your number's called up and you go and sit at the table, but there's no conversation. It's workers, you know, white and blue collar workers sitting there, no conversation. And you just fill up, you fill her up. Yeah. You just, and I found that brilliant. Wow, really Because there was no ritual going on. I understand. It was just, you wolfed down the food. And for the first time, I could eat hot food. Oh, wow. And I enjoyed it, even though it was quick, but there was no time for rituals or ordering or being wiped down by the waiter or did you enjoy your food or what are you having? What's it like? It was you sit, you put the, you know, you, you put the food in your mouth as quick as you can and you're out. And it was some of the tastiest, hottest food I've ever had. Isn't so what I'm saying is there was no importance. That's amazing. It wasn't dressed up. It's just the every day. Was not, it was, it was fuel. Yeah, it was fodder. Yeah. It was like a bale of hay for a cattle. Wow. It was, and I loved, I loved that. There was no preparation and no and no dressing up. And I just wonder if I took the onus, me personally, if I took the onus off that ritual and that importance, I wouldn't have so many OCDs. That's so interesting. I wanted to ask you what you – we're kind of running out of time a little bit, actually, but um, I wanted You're to ask you – You're kidding me. How long is this thing? We've just been going on for days. I spent 40 minutes talking about <laughs> – Cow manure. Sitting down. <laughs> It's oh, great. God, I'm sorry, no, it's great. Gianna. No, 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 it's great. No, that's not, we haven't even. That's not what I mean. I was wondering how you, um, how you, can you briefly say how you now cope yeah. with your OCD? Because I know that it took you a very long time to yeah. uh, go and find some help. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true? Well, I think we're very similar, aren't we? In what way? In that acknowledging that there was a problem. Yeah, it took me a while, but I think... It took yeah. you years. And isn't it funny, you opened, you introduced me by saying we've known each other a long time, but we've never talked at length or we've barely mentioned it. And yeah. I think that says it all. I mean, I there's your does. answer. Yeah, okay. In all okay. the years we've known each other, we've never said, you know, cards on the table, you know, how bad are you today? There was so always something think, better to talk about. That's what it seemed. You know, maybe we would have got around yeah. to it if we'd, uh, I don't know, sort well, of hung out for six we? weeks. Why? You know what, to be honest though, Gemma, let's be honest. I've shouted my conditioner, me, my um, condition from the rooftops for many more years than you've shared your issues. This podcast is probably, I'm right in saying it's the first time you've gone public, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think because I, and I have also talked about this before, because I was still pretending that I, everything was fine. Exactly. And uh, I'm very defensive. It takes me a long time to open but this up. Is, this must be hugely important and hugely cathartic. What will you take away from these podcasts? Are you, what has it done to you? We'll come back to me in a minute. What has it done to you? What have these podcasts done to you? Have they healed? Have they helped? Every time I talk, I have a conversation, a layer of whatever that layer is, let's call it defensiveness or rigidity. That layer softens Brilliant. and dissolves. 
And and it's about free, free, freeing up space. It's about feeling lighter and freer. Those are the only terms I can really talk about it in. It's a feeling. Yeah. Goodness me. So they have been incredibly therapeutic and, and, and healing. Yeah, in ways that I hadn't imagined, really. And How also, frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, it's been, uh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Can I ask you, if you were on an island, what five foods you'd take to an island? Uh, yeah. Whole meals or ingredients? Well, you're not a very good cook, are you? No. Why don't so you take have to whole be, meals? I would take five packets of space food. <laughs> of course you would. Flavor? Because, <laughs> don't laugh, don't mock. I'm not mocking. Which of those foods that you are going to take and all your other podcasters <laughs> are going to rot and stink <laughs> in the midday sun? And look, oh, look at that palm tree over there. Look at that guy under there opening his freeze-dried chicken breast dinner. And all he has to do is drip <laughs> a few bits of water on it and voila. He's so smug. Yeah. Isn't he? So I would take my space food with me. Okay. Amazing. Ian, thank you so much for coming onto this food oh, thing. Oh, God, you've got to ask me back. And I, I am don't going care. to ask you back. You're going to take oh, it over, aren't you? That, that was only part one, incy-bincy bit of part one. Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, you and back. I, I, we don't even need the listeners. It'd be nice for them <laughs> to be there. We can set it up with me glass of water, the microphone, the headphones, without the cat coming and disturbing us, and just chat from now on yeah, like this. This I love is how it. we talk. I love but it. But Gemma, you know, huge, huge congratulations on you on getting this up and out there, not oh, just for, you. for your own personal needs, but um, I've listened to, I haven't listened to all of them, but God, they're, they're such, it's such, it's so right the time to, that doesn't make sense, but you know, it's such a good time for you to share. It is, isn't and, it? And to, get, and, and to get other people to share, because as you know, food, like cinema, like, you know, we've been starved of so much, food has become so important in this pandemic, because those mealtimes have been so valued, haven't they? Yeah, they're important conversations to have, that's for sure. But yes, you will. You will come back. Thank Brilliant. you, Ian. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.